Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. This good morning. morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Well, doing well, doing good. well. Let's uh, talk a little bit about what's going over across the big pond yeah. and find out if there's any good news in Poland or uh, Ukraine. So there was a little bit of skirmish, uh, uh, skirmish about this deciding who's to blame for the bomb that hit hit Poland. Yeah. But Zelensky, he lives there. He <laughs> has a lot at stake, uh, and he likes. Uh, he, he benefits by crises, so he, I think he looked like he was expanding the crisis. It wasn't yeah. for a calming effect. So uh, he knew everything. He knew how it happened. The Russians did it. This bomb them. Mm -hmm. So, but that didn't work out so well because it wasn't too long afterwards that uh, there was some com common sense. If there was ever a time when people ought to take a deep breath, especially if you're involved with you know, borders and war and bombs and hatred and all these things. Why Why can't they just sit back and, you know, try to get in touch and they say, let's have a conversation, let's talk about this uh, instead of spouting it all. But I guess it's not a complete accident that in, in the uh, time that they were getting concerned about the bombing, there were more bigger requests than ever yeah. <laughs> for Ukraine. They needed more and more money. And it seems like the resistance uh, in our government is not that great. You'd think that maybe after a, a major, major discussion about the war, you know, in a campaign, that there would be in a, maybe a little different position. But so far, I don't know. I don't think the, I don't think, uh, the politicians, at least, have a different opinion, although we identified at times where people were starting to say, hey, enough is enough. Why don't you worry about our borders and our budget? But no, they're, they're uh, you know, always on the side of more spending. And, of course, we talked about that extensively, about what well, just happens to have something to do with a lobbying effort, a military-industrial complex. So uh, it looks much calmer now. Uh, Zelensky, I, I just sort of see him as just fading away because he was certainly noisy for war, but now he came down uh, on the wrong side of the issue. At least he got caught early on. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, it was strange yesterday because I don't know if how many Americans realize how close we were to World War III. We were literally on the brink of World War III because as we were told at that time in those split few moments, uh, missiles from Russia hit Polish territory, killed Polish civilians. Uh, Poland, of course, which is massively, massively anti-Russian government, immediately uh, talked to NATO. We need to have a invoked the Article 4 for consultations and decide what we're going to do about this. Uh, talked about the G7, we need to figure out what we're going to do. Um, Poland was a very willing participant in what ultimately turns out to be Zelensky's game. Uh, and the question is, um, did he know that those missiles were fired from Ukraine? Apparently they were S-300 um, anti-missile uh, anti missiles, air defense missiles, that were fired from somewhere around Lvov. Uh, and landed just over the border in Polish territory. Did he know that those were Ukrainian at the time that he claimed they were Russian missiles? And if so, then he was literally lying to his so-called allies and partners in the West in attempt to get World War III brought about. And one of the articles, and we put up an excerpt from this on the Ron Paul Institute website from a very astute observer, in my opinion, if we can put up that first clip. This is Andrew Korbko. He says, Ukraine tried to trick NATO into starting World War III after it accidentally bombed 
Poland. And uh, go to the next clip then, and just to cue up what happened. Ukrainian leadership was well aware of what happened, but decided to propagate the most dangerous conspiracy theory in history in an attempt to literally spark World War III. Zelensky lied to the world by describing his forces' accidental bombing of Poland as, quote, a Russian missile strike on collective security and telling NATO that, quote, we need to act. His foreign minister, in turn, gaslit by claiming that all allegations that his side was responsible were nothing but Russian propaganda. So dangerous, dangerous game that Ukraine was playing yesterday. You know, I suggest that they take a deep breath and talk about it and think about it before they go to World War III. Uh, but I don't even know if they took a, a shallow breath because uh, things moved along. And fortunately, you know, uh, some truth came out of this. But I think that, uh, you, you know, Biden didn't help things either. He, he was, uh, you know, he made his statement, you know, we, we, you know, I guess most, uh, most of our audience would know that we're, we're not fans of NATO. NATO, yeah. NATO is, a, is a problem. It isn't an answer. So, but, but Biden came out and he emphasized, you know, in a technical, uh, legalistic way, it's true. If you're in NATO and, and you're a, a pays, uh, dues-paying member, you get defended if anybody's going to attack you. And, he, and, and Biden said, we will defend every inch of territory if you belong to NATO. But I don't think you even have to belong because they more or less have said they, they will add a few countries in and maybe Ukraine would be treated about the same way. But uh, anyway, that argument goes on. But uh, I don't think Biden, Biden uh, did say, hey, 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 you guys, why don't we talk about this? Because he's on one side of yeah. it. He, he's, the, he's one of the ones that's uh, pumping it up so, uh, to justify more spending. And that, that, that is... Uh, that is just criminal, I think, on what they're doing and what they'll do and say uh, and, and lie to their people. But uh, I'm beginning to think that uh, it's pretty rare to get politicians who have any power and clout have much honesty in, you know, in world affairs. That has happened. We even find there's some that in our government will lie to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, I w I've always been, I've been wondering lately how far they could go, like where were the breaks? What was the red line for, for DC and for the Biden administration with regard to its, uh, bl seemed like blind support for Ukraine. And I think we did finally see it yesterday. I think for all of its faults, and there are plenty, including cooking this whole thing up in the beginning in 2014, because these are the same personnel involved that were involved back then. But they got to the point last night, I think where they realized this is the red line. Uh, they're trying to pull us into World War III. We knew because we had global hawks, we have, we have facilities that are very near there. Uh, we knew where the rockets that hit Poland were launched from and whose rockets they were. So they must have realized at that point that the Ukrainian government is taking this too far. And that's why almost publicly they said, um, Biden said, no, we don't think this was uh, fired from Russian territory. So at that point, they got us right to the brink of nuclear war and they did thankfully back down. But the question then would arise, why do we continue to be taken so close to nuclear war when any mistake could go either way and the stakes are so high? I didn't hear. There probably were some, but uh, I wasn't aware of a member of Congress standing up and offering, you know, a little calming to this. You know, why don't we just take a pause for a minute and find out who really did what? And is it the... Uh, 
is it wise to just move in this method and find out maybe there's somebody has a has a, a goal of precipitating these kind of problems. Of course, I, I've always had trouble believing these individuals had, who do precipitate the war really want to do it. I think I think they. Uh, I always think of making a mistake and didn't realize it. But then, and I've struggled with that because I've. Uh, I used to think that governments were a lot better than I think of them now because now they, uh, uh, when when they do this, it is. It's not just because it was an accident or a misjudgment. It's almost deliberate, yeah. you know, uh, thinking there's a benefit from it. But they must, not, they must not realize what kind of bombs they're playing with and yeah. what's going on and how, how a guy like Zelensky all of a sudden can control us, yeah. you know. But he's being controlled by the system, the system that endorses the NATO, uh, sh you know, uh, th t type of politic. And so he... He's a, he's not all by himself, but boy, is he aggressive. And I think I think it's sort of like if you're running lockdown during an epidemic, people feel their oats. I think he feels it. I think he feel he, I think he really in, enjoys what he's doing. Yeah, but I do think he realized last night he learned that the, the limits to what he could do. He felt that he was uh, he felt that he was in control, and last night he was really put in his place, I think, by them saying this. But let's look at a couple of these uh, tweets. This is the Ukrainian foreign minister. Now, this is at a point where certainly he would have known that it wasn't actually a Ukrainian missile. Here's what he said. Russia now promotes a conspiracy theory that it was allegedly a missile of Ukrainian air defense that fell on the Polish territory, which is not true. No one should buy Russian propaganda or amplify its message. This lesson should have been long learnt since the downing of MH17. So at this point, he was basically calling Biden a dangerous Russian conspiracy theorist for suggesting that it wasn't a uh, Russian missile, but rather an Ukrainian missile. That's their foreign minister. And let's look at the next one. And this is what Zelensky actually did say. He said, uh, terror is not limited to our national borders. Russian missiles hit Poland, NATO territory. This is a Russian missile attack on collective security, a very significant escalation. We must act, is what he said. Again, encouraging NATO to act against Russia. Thankfully, you mentioned that there didn't seem to be any members. There was one member who keeps going up in my books, and that's Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. She responded to Zelensky's crazy statements by saying, the missile attack killing two innocent people in Poland was likely from Ukrainian air defense. We must stop letting Zelensky demand money and weapons from U.S. taxpayers while he's trying to drag us into World War III. No more money to Ukraine. It's time to end this war and demand peace. So there was one representative who was saying the right things well, uh, on this issue. That, that to me is encouragement. <laughs> but what we need is a change in policy, which is the more difficult thing. So I think this is, uh, this is something that, as you pointed out, so risky and, and, and it's strange why they do this. But uh, it, uh, it's something like it's handled so differently. <coughs> we, of course, went through the crisis of the <coughs> Cuban missions crisis. Yeah. But there was a little bit more talking there. And, <coughs> and I was, it, it, personally, I was in the middle of it. I was you know, well, what's going to happen? Am I going to be drafted? And I was drafted and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I really, I really didn't, um, 
I wasn't on pins and needles. Maybe I didn't know enough <laughs> at the time to yeah. realize it. But uh, it, it, it's a shame. I guess people, things have to get much, much worse before the people are going to wake up. Or, you know, because if, if there was a little, if there was a progressive uh, group in, in the mainstream media, I mean, there may be one or two people, but there's no emphasis on that. They would have had, uh, you know, the one or two or three or four members of Congress who might give a different pitch on the thing because you're not going to get it from the administration. The administration are all of a sudden going to come up and, and change, change the policy. And most members of Congress uh, get, get money from the establishment, from, yeah. from the military-industrial complex. Or they get it from FTX. <laughs> yeah. That's a different story. That's we'll... good. Burn that up. <laughs> Let it burn. <laughs> There's another tweet now. I just want to go through a couple of things uh, just <clears throat> on this issue. I think this is the uh, uh, Alexei Reznikov. I think he's the head of the presidential cabinet for Zelensky, if we can put up that next clip. Because here's what he said after this happened. Again, all of these top officials definitely should have known that it was their own missile that hit Poland, uh, but they lied. Here's what he said. Poland, this is not a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is the reality we've been warning about. We were asking to close the sky because the sky has no borders, not for Russia's uncontrolled missiles, not for the threat they carry for our EU and NATO neighbors. Gloves are off. Time to win. Encouraging, again, an attack on Russia. Michael Tracy, who's a journalist that we both respect for being very independent-minded, he commented on this by saying, it's odd that everyone is constantly being ordered to valorize these Ukrainian government officials and give them endless supplies of money and weapons when they're constantly trying to go to the U.S. and NATO into watch it, launching World War III on false pretenses. And so then now the next one, if you put up, now this is the sort of the synthesis of the Hegelian uh, uh, method here because here is our illustrious, and someone mentioned, I didn't recognize him without his face mask, <laughs> our illustrious Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. Now here's the synthesis of the, uh, of the dialectic. The defense chief suggests that Russia's ultimately to blame for the Russia blast because, of course, it's their fault. And I, wanted, I picked a couple of things off from Moon of Alabama, had a good article about it. And they ran with some of the UK um, newspaper front pages about this. And you talk about, you know, we talked about Russian propaganda, Chinese communist propaganda. I really do believe that the Western people are the most propagandized people in history. And look at how the British media portrays this. Here's the mirror. Russian bombs hit Poland. And do the next one. This is Metro. Russian missiles hit Poland. And here's a major newspaper, the Daily Telegraph. Headline, Russian missiles strike Poland. And the funny thing about this, it, not only that it's, it's absolute baseless lies and propaganda, but the thing is, here's what they did, Dr. Paul, because the initial claim was Russia bombed Poland. Therefore, NATO has to act. They later said they were Russian missiles that hit Poland. And it kind of, if you're, not, if you're not attuned, it almost sounds the same. Russian missiles hit Poland? Wow. Russian-made missiles hit Poland? Well, these were manufactured, these particular S-300s were manufactured between 1978 and 1982. And they probably were manufactured on the territory of Russia, which at the time was the USSR. So technically, they were Russian-manufactured missiles. However, they were manufactured some you know, 40 or 50 years ago by the USSR. So this is the wordplay to try to get it in people's minds. Right. That, yeah, even <clears throat> though they didn't do it, well, yeah, they did it, you know. Well, you know, obviously a lot of people overstepped their bounds and made accusations, told a lot of lies. 
But do you suspect that uh, today we'll hear a lot of apologies uh, for, <laughs> you know, international? I mean, you can say, hey, you know, we're really sorry that we did this. We, we're sorry that we might have caused some trouble and uh, we won't let it happen again. We're going to be much more cautious. Do you, you expect to hear any of that today? For all of every, you know, for, for everyone that's colors outside the lines, like us being canceled for fake news and disinformation, it is the mainstream media that produces the most disinformation and the most fake news. And initially, the AP story, and people were talking about this, the AP story, story cited an unnamed top U.S. official who said it was the Russians who attacked. And, and someone said, well, what was your source? You should tell because this was misinformation. So no, they're not going to apologize. They're just going to let it go by the wayside because See, they what, are fake news. What you just said fits my theory. It's not much of a theory because it's happening. If a person is guilty of it, if you're guilty of uh, propagandizing, you have to blame somebody else. So they, they, and that's exactly what happened. The media, mainstream media, they're the ones who told all the lies and the disinformation. So they have to blame uh, the Russians. And uh, I imagine uh, Russia has, if you look at the entire history, they sort of had to stay in survival mode for a long time. Yeah. And uh, they tried to, you know, they made an attempt to become a little more secure after, uh, you know, the Cold War ended and after World War II ended. But that, that really hasn't happened. And they have to confront, you know, uh, NATO and United Nations, the whole bunch, uh, to, you know, to uh, blindly attack. But uh, the only way this can be answered is trying to get the truth out. And that's what we hope we can do. Well, you know, it, it kind of dovetails perfectly because the juxtaposition of Ukraine trying to lie us into World War III and at the same time, we see this next uh, bit, if we can put that next clip on. At the same time, they're trying to get us all killed. They're also begging for money. White House asked Congress for $37.7 billion in new Ukraine aid. More free money they're demanding. Well, you know, for a while, it happened for about a couple of months, we would say, well, they, they've gotten and they've requested, uh, I think it was six. It was 60, then it went to 67, and then I, then I saw for a day or two, oh, it's up to 80. Now, if, if they get this, which will be interesting to see if they do get it, uh, it'll, it'll go over $105 billion, billion. we've given to this country. And, and uh, of course, that's, that's saying wrong, because the people of that country, uh, because they don't know what's going on or they are, don't want to or whatever, they're not standing up against their government. So they, they, they just go and do this. So now they're, they're, uh, all that money is going there and it's taken. It, it is a payment that the United States taxpayer has to pay one way or the other, whether it's through the inflation or just a direct tax. But that, that to me is just you know, such an outrage. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens because uh, they didn't have that on the schedule you know, a couple of days ago, but it, with this emergency, oh, yeah. they, this came up, this gave them the opportunity, but it also, we've seen the result of the election. Maybe not astounding, but significant, because getting the money, uh, if there is more resistance in the Republican Party, maybe the money won't come quite so easily. And uh, so I think uh, it'll be an interesting thing if they try to vote this out before the end of the year to find out what the Republicans are going to do. Yeah. You know, uh, whether, whether, whether you'll see a few more voting against it, because there were a few in the campaign that would mention uh, maybe we are spending too much over there. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I think when we were talking before the show, you said this will be the test case to see what the Republicans yeah. are made uh -huh. of. 
But you make a good point in what you just said, which is that this money is not going to help Ukrainian people at all. And because we know where it's going, it's going straight back over to the military industrial complex. We send the howitzers over, the Russians bomb them to smithereens, and then we send in more. And meanwhile, the, these companies are making more of a profit. We know that Ukrainian officials are buying property in Switzerland, so they're benefiting. The military industrial complex is benefiting. Maybe even, and here's a scandal that may be coming out, maybe even some Democrats were benefiting from campaign uh, donations from this uh, FTX scam. Um, Everyone was benefiting except the American people and the Ukrainian people who were getting the brunt of the, you know, the punch in the face. Yes, and it's been going on for so long. And that is why the principle is so important. Because, you know, um, there were some that would, uh, uh, you know, oppose even a token amount of money transferred from the American people to a country that may have suffered from a serious earthquake or something. Yeah, yeah. Even though the American people voluntarily were very and have been very generous about it. But no, they, they, uh, they don't do that, uh, but, but the principle is there. So everything is a crisis. You know, if you just have one earthquake and a thousand people died from that, you know, the sympathies can pour out. Yeah. But when, you, when the problems are constant, but uh, the one thing is, is uh, uh, that uh, the people might get a little bit tired of all this, and that's what uh, I, I hope happens where they throw up their arms. And the, the thing is, the people are going to get upset, and they are upset, and they are angry, but they don't put it together. They don't put it together. Oh, but you'd cut back on defense? Yeah, yeah. What kind of a patriotic person <laughs> are you? You did? No, I, I want more. I want more defense of this country and less militarism, which exposes us to more threats. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where the real problem is. You know, here's a, here's a solution because you know, people say we don't offer solutions enough. Literally, this is true. If, and I know this because I've been on the receiving end. If 50 persons from every Republican congressional district called the representative, 50, only 50, and said, vote against this, they would stand up and pay attention. It's like we would come to you, Dr. Paul, we're getting a lot of uh, feedback on this, and people, here's how they feel. It necessarily wouldn't change your vote because you're different than most representatives, or than all representatives were. But nevertheless, your ears perk up. Wow, I'm getting a lot of pushback on this Ukraine vote, maybe I better start listening a little more about it. So something can be done. But I wanted to do one thing before we move on, Dr. Paul, and that is this next um, clip. And I didn't show it to you before, but I, I know you'll have a comment on it. This is from the New York Times, if we can put that up. It is, um, I think it's sick and it's cynical. Uh, go, sorry, go ahead one more. I'm gonna skip that one. This is the New York Times, Dr. Paul. Let's listen to this. Western allies look to Ukraine as a testing ground for weapons. Through the battle for Ukraine, though the battle for Ukraine remains largely a grinding artillery war, new advances in technology and training there are being closely monitored for the ways they are starting to shape combat. So the New York Times is actually writing about it as a positive thing. Meanwhile, Ukrainians are freezing to death, they're getting blown to smithereens. And the New York Times think that's pretty neat <clears throat> because we're able to test out new weapons and see how neat they are. That's I mean, have, have you ever heard of anything as sick as that? that you know, back to the 37 billion that they're requesting, uh, when they got a couple messages from Congress and bipartisan, they said, 
that's not enough. It's oh. emergency. They want 50. 50. 50 in addition, that would take it up over the 100, 100 billion that we put in over there. But he, even under these circumstances of the, of the world bankrupts, we're bankrupt. Inflation is running wild on the verge of expanding the war. Of course, there's many people that have literally said it and, and they believe it, that war is good for the economy. Yeah. I said, yeah, it was great during World War II. You, we, uh, we put a million people into the military, exposed them to uh, you know, death and destruction, and, uh, and, and uh, they said, oh, the unemployment rate went down, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. It, it's just, just a fully, war can never be an economic benefit. Maybe for a few people, and even the lack of war, but the warmongering is the is the culprit, and that is the policymakers and the, and the arms manufacturers. If you dealt with that, we wouldn't have this problem because uh, you know if the policy is already designed, we've already been instructed. Every member of Congress takes an oath to it, and it's in the Constitution. You can't let the executive branch just make a declaration. Well we, well, we have to go and take care of those uh, uh, Ukrainian people and all. And uh, they, they, they just go ahead and do this. And that's where the, the, the real problem is. They just go along with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we learned from today, we were literally on the brink of war yesterday. As you just mentioned in your last segment, we see inflation rising ever higher. You know, people might throw up their arms. Well, what can I do? Well, this is where it comes in where we talk about our show sponsor, and that is 4Patriots.com, the number 4Patriots.com. Because what you can do is take care of your family and yourself. And you can do that by ensuring that you have a food supply if something goes wrong, uh, which it may well go wrong. Uh, and 4Patriots.com has great food. It lasts for 25 years. They have a guarantee that you will like this food. And today, you can get your shipment at 10% off of this food. Delicious food, very easy to cook. R-O-N, RON is your code. It's your ticket to 10% off your order from 4Patriots, the number 4Patriots.com. You can get a three-month survival kit. Feed your family for three months, regardless of what happens. Free shipping for over $97 in purchase. Delicious food, easy to make. Just give yourself a little bit of a guarantee that you'll be able to survive Four Patriots, the number four Patriots.com, code Ron R O N. Very good. I want to uh, bring up briefly uh, a little bit about what we talked about yesterday, you know, because that, that, that it bothers me. I, it, I just keep going over and over in my mind how atrocious that whole event has been. And uh, there's, there's so many fallacies here. One, of course, is uh, what we talked about yesterday was the admission in the mainstream media that uh, the, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers were infiltrated. They had no guns and it was infiltrated by the FBI. And my big question I've been thinking about, but I haven't heard it mentioned because they probably have uh, some legalistic reason why this couldn't possibly be it. But it, to, to me, uh, is a form of entrapment, you know. Well, how can they go in there? And they had communications between the spies uh, with their headquarters and, you know, the FBI and the police are supposed to help the people. <laughs> but here they are undermining them. I think it's a form of entrapment. And if you have to change the word, it's uh, call them criminals or something. But uh, for them to be permitted to do that is just just a, such an outrage. And, uh, 
you know, they, they were asking the question, I'll make this point, we may have talked about it yesterday, is, is you know, they uh, say the Proud Boys are bad and we have to come, they're, they're criminals. They want to be called terrorists because they can penalize them a lot worse yeah. if they're terrorists. But they say, and I think the subject came up in a committee and Ray, the chairman or the leader of FBI, they said, what about Antifa? And uh, the, the article said, oh, and he sort of laughed it off. You know, he, he, he laughed it off and said they, uh, they were uh, just, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they were expressing their First Amendment rights, that kind of thing. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff that goes on. And uh, the other thing that just drives me nuts is, is the, are these hearings? Well, actually, you know, I, I think we sort of won that argument. People never watched it. They, yeah. The longer they're on, the less the people they watched them. <laughs> but it was still so outrageous uh, that, they, that they could do this. And they, uh, they, they of course, the, the Republican side didn't exist. It was one-sided. And uh, the people just, uh, you know, w- went along with it. The Republicans weren't allowed to look at the film. And still now, with this thing coming up, with uh, the admission that, that the FBI infiltrated it, why, why can't they get the film out? Because it, it, may sh- it may show, it may make there no doubt in anybody's mind about entrapment. Yeah. You know, now if they can identify, you know, the, the spies coming in there and the instigators, and they're in there, it's conceivable, you know, Maybe they were opening doors. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. break this window. They they don't want that film up. Uh, so it's uh, it'd be it'd be nice to get it. But so often, uh, you know, when they want to get the full explanation of uh, assassinations and things, both Republicans and Democrats protect the information like they have. You know, with the Kennedy assassination. Oh. Yeah, that's just too much for the people to yeah, handle. Yeah. They'll, they'll misinterpret it. So that, that to me is the same. So I keep thinking about this, and maybe this is one area where, you know, Jim Jordan may play a special yeah. role. And uh, uh, even though we sometimes lump it t- too much, to uh, the group together, uh, but there are some good people there. And uh, they, but, but they will do it if the people wake up. I think that's what they need. Uh, the people, they, uh, it, it's not, you know, just the total majority, but when the people go out and demonstrate, uh, that to me is the democracy that we weren't. When they start doing this, let's, let's hope the, uh, the good people that we have there uh, aren't silenced by the good people that are running the show. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I'm going to close out with something, Dr. Paul. You know, I, 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 the media is so important. And as you know, yesterday, we didn't talk about it today, but President Trump, former President Trump, announced that he's running again. Uh, he filed his papers yesterday. He's running again for office. What's fascinating is looking at how the mainstream media, which really is the enemy of anyone of goodwill, regardless if you're on the left and right, because they are the purveyors of fake news and misinformation. Look at how the Washington Post announced Trump's announcement that he was running again for president. Trump, who as president fomented an insurrection, says he's running again. I mean, that is the most Soviet, most ridiculous headline you can ever imagine. And it just shows what evil people these are. So anyway, that was my my final statement, Dr. Paul. Yeah, and I'll just say a little bit on that, too, because they're the ones who are the champions of democracy. And their whole effort 
is to destroy a person so he can't ever run again. They want to deny him this because they think it's because he's a bad person. They're not. They're good people. We have to keep the bad people out. But the whole thing is, is they're they're afraid that the information that he might blurt out and reveal, uh, they get intimidated and they don't want to have it. So they want to stop him. They don't even want him running. And the media, of course, is... uh, you know, on the side of, uh, of uh, propagandizing against it. Uh, I, I think back about the one president, uh, one of the few presidents that I, uh, I had a liking for is Grover Cleveland. You know, he, he was in, then he was out, and he got back in. And uh, I, I doubt very much if they ever gave him that much trouble. They did, they did give him some trouble. But, uh, but for, for Trump, uh, he sure ran, has run into it. And uh, quite frankly, I don't know how he puts up with it or, or why he puts up with it, but everybody's trying to guess that. But it's still as important as, as it is to him and to Republicans and all this. The ultimate uh, decision-making is going to be a prevailing attitude by the people, what they understand about inflation, foreign policy, non-interventionism, personal liberty, all these things. That's what the people have to have to have some type of a consensus, and uh, the governments will reflect that if the people are serious about their beliefs. And that's the way our wars generally have ended over these past uh, several decades. It's finally they just get the people get exhausted. Why? Are you doing this? I think the exhaustion is starting to come, and we see the signs of it with Ukraine. That might be a good sign. It's a little sooner. We had to wait uh, 10 years for the uh, uh, Iraqi wars and then 20 years for Afghanistan to finally say, enough is enough. Well, enough is enough for a couple reasons. The people are going to get tired of it. Once they realize that they are the victims, the wars are declared against the American people. They take the money, make the people poorer, and they also take away their liberties. And that's the reason the people have to understand this and know what the message has to be. That's what we hope we can contribute to is that understanding that will give us better government and greater freedom. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.